What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How's everybody doing tonight? I want to do something a little bit different. I don't want to need some of your guys' help. Uh, Pastor Ed, Yvonne, and Trenton, would you come up here please? Please? You're not in trouble, I promise. Um, if you guys remember a while back, I don't know, probably a few months ago, we prayed for my cousin. Uh, I'm not going to use any names because I know this is being recorded. Uh, she's back in the hospital having a lot of health problems and I want us to pray for her, um, because I want her to see a body of believers that care for her praying for her. So, and if you don't mind, Yvonne, I was going to ask you to lead the prayer. Would that be okay? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the great God you are the great healer that you are. And we, we just thank you for all that you've done for each one of us. Lord, I'm not sure of the issues. It doesn't matter whether I know them or not, but you do, Father. And we pray for this, did you say cousin? Cousin of Brett's that has health issues. Father, we ask that you touch her body from her head to her toes, inside and out, and just let her feel your presence and we know that your presence is all-encompassing and powerful, loving. God, she couldn't be loved by any person, anybody more than you. What great love you have for us. Father, just heal her now. Touch her body and let her know that you're with her and let her know that you are the one who's healing her. Yes. Medicine, doctors, they're all great, but... You are the great physician. And, Father, we thank you that you're touching her even now. For I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Okay. I'm going to try something a little different tonight. I'm going to preach with a, a handheld microphone. I haven't done this since the days of full Christ and mass communication. So... <laughs> Back in our hip-hop days. Uh, so a few years back, I wrote a sermon called State of Emergency. And Trenton, a couple weeks ago, said, hey, have one ready. And it was supposed to be last week, but so we're getting it this week. And I was like, man, I got nothing. <laughs> I hate that too. But God is always good, and he always says, don't worry about it. I'll show you when you're supposed to know it, right? Yeah. And he always gives me one. So he brought my mind back to this sermon that I wrote called State of Emergency. 
And in that sermon, I talked about, one of the things I talked about was 9-11, how when the building was on fire, they ran in to save those people without even giving it a second thought. And I compared that to right now, or at that time, even right now, <laughs> our world, the, everything was on fire. I mean, it was, we were in an emergency, and the church needed to be running into the flames and pulling people out. So the Lord reminded me of that, and then he gave me this, that back then we was in an emergency, but now we're in an urgency. Yes. We're further along than we were in the emergency. And if something is not done, it's not going to be good. There is an urgency right now. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to pray tonight. Because the church needs to be, number one, we need to be urgent about the way we do things. We can't sit around anymore. There's planning and there's preparation, yes. But sometimes we get comfortable and we sit too long. There's an urgency that the church has to recognize right now. And I'm already getting dry mouth. I'm just going to leave this open. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. State of urgency. Does anybody else feel that but me? I, I remember he's, he's passed on now, but there was a pastor a few years back. He says, I feel such an urgency in the spirit. Like things were just coming to a head. And if he only knew where, where we're at right now. If he only knew where we're at right now. But we're going to start in Matthew 28, and we're going to be in verse 16 through 20. And this is the Great Commission. Everybody probably knows these verses. But it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is giving commands for them to do what? He's giving them commands to take action. Already right there, he's saying, go, this is a great commission. I've told you what to do. I've trained you. You've seen all the things. And now I'm giving you a command. The command was given to them. The command has now been given to us. We're the church. The disciples are no, those disciples are no longer here. Now it's us. We're the church. And I guess I should welcome the online audience. <laughs> welcome, online audience. Thank you for tuning in to Next Level Freedom Church. Back to where I was. The command has been now given to us, just as it was to them. Je Jesus gave them that commission because there was a need for them to go out and to tell the world. Amen? Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Who would have loved to have seen that? Amen. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So these two men, probably angels, are like, why are you staring at the clouds? <laughs> Don't you know you got work to do, right? See, the angels knew that the time had come for the final work to begin, but here they are, and they're standing there, and they're staring up into the heavens, and they're watching Jesus be taken up, and they say, hey, what are you doing? Standing there just staring up into the sky. I've, he's told you what to do, now go. And they're probably scrambling, you know, oh, yeah, we got to get going. But that was probably a sober moment for them. Their master was leaving. Their friend was leaving. You know, their best friend was taking off. But the angels knew that it was time for the final work to begin. The church age was starting, and that's where we're still at. And I think that we're coming to the end of that church age. We're coming to the end of that time frame. And see, the angels are trying to get them because they were trying to convey to them the sense of urgency. 2,000-something years ago, there was still an urgency that was taking place. And here we are 2,000-something years later, and I'm standing here telling you that we're right there at the cusp of something amazing getting ready to happen, and there is an urgency that we should all have. We should, it should be so strong in us that we can't wait for church to get over to go out and be the church. See, we got, we got to stop looking at coming to church as being the only thing that Christians are supposed to do because it's about that much of what we're supposed to be doing. The urgency should be able to come in here to get what we need to go out there. There's people dying. There's, there's sick people that need hands laid on them. And we can't be afraid to do it. You can't be afraid of it. You've got to walk out there and lay hands on them. Why? Because we're told to. It's simple. It's a command that was given to lay hands on the sick, to pray for those that are sick. We're supposed to be doing these things, but the problem is, is the church does not feel the sense of urgency because they've been told to stay inside, shut your door, and don't worry about what's going on out here. So yeah. <laughs> if the disciples are seeing the sense of urgency, then why are we 2,000 years later not getting it? They saw a sense of urgency because if they didn't see the sense of urgency, guess what? We wouldn't be here. If they wouldn't have done what they were told to do, we wouldn't be here. And if we don't do what we have been told to do, the next generation won't be here. And that's on you and that's on me. You use yours and I'll use mine. It's our job for the next generation. And if we don't feel that sense, we get... I'm just going to say it. we got to get these seats full, Sundays and Wednesdays. we got to get them full, and that's on us. Do you know why the devil is attacking so hard? How was it I said it last time I preached on uh, Sunday morning? The devil doesn't attack who he doesn't fear. He doesn't attack who he doesn't fear. So if you're being attacked, it's because he's in fear of what you are capable of doing. The devil, uh, do you know why the devil's attacking so hard? It's because he knows that his time is short. See, he's trying to take you with him. If the devil understands the sense of urgency right now and you don't, he's got an upper hand on you. He knows the time that he's in. He knows that his time is short. He's known that for 2,000 years, if not longer. He's known that there's going to come a day 
when he's done. And he wants to do everything he can to make it not happen, which that's he's showing his stupidity. It's, it's written. It's going to happen. Amen. He loses and we win. We were in a state of emergency. The church in 2020 was attacked to the point where we all got taken aback by it. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I thought it was another one of those things the news is going to try to blow up. I remember whenever they were trying to scare everybody saying Ebola was going to happen, and there was a, a case in somewhere that, of Ebola, and they were trying to scare the. I was like, ah, oh, this is just going to be another one of those. It's going to blow over. I didn't know this was going to happen. And if there's not too many people that will raise their hand and say, I saw the whole thing coming. I'm not a prophet. I didn't see that one coming, all right? We didn't know what was going on or how to react because we were all asleep. You know why we were asleep? We were too busy having church instead of being the church. Now, if I'm talking to you, I'm not sorry. And if I'm not talking to you, then you can just pray for me because I was asleep. I've said it numerous times. Church, it was business as usual. You go to church, you go home, you have lunch, you go to work, you go to church, you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for years and years and years and years. Then all of a sudden one day, bam, shut the doors. Everybody's going to die, right? That's pretty well what we were told. That's the fear they were throwing out at everybody. Not to say that the situation wasn't serious, but we were lied to on a lot of things. We've been lied to on a lot of things. And, oh, we still are. Amen. And see, the problem is, is, and here's what I don't understand, is some of the church sees it, but there's still some of the church that don't see it. we got to shut our doors, and we've got to take all these measures. And I've said it before, I know, but the bars were open, guys. The bars and the strip clubs and all of the ungodly things were open, and they were essential. But we couldn't come into church and lift our hands and sing praises. They wanted us to shut the doors because we were gonna we were gonna spread something. Well, guess what? It got spread anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna spread the gospel. <laughs> Problem was though, is were we really doing it? You see, this has been a huge wake up call. It's been a wake up call for me because after this happened, my eyes were open to a lot of things. God, be, I started hearing God in a whole new way. He started speaking to me and telling me things, and my life has completely changed since that day. I'm in a completely different place than I was, for one. Hmm. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know how to react. We were being good, and I want you to listen to this. We were being good little churchgoers. Hang on to that word goers for a minute, okay? Then we noticed that something didn't feel right in 2020. Some of y'all took till 2021. Some of y'all, it's 2022, and you need to look back at 2020 and 2021 and realize that you've missed two years of your life because you were scared. Come on now. It's time to, it's time to stop being scared. Amen. Either God's your healer or he's not. Either God is your healer or he's not. If either you put your complete faith and trust in him, that if, this, if, if something takes you out of this world, it was your time to go. It was your time to go. Stop living in fear for something you can't control. Amen. <laughs> we can try every single thing that we want to do. I don't know why I'm going here, but I've got to say it. 
We can try it. You can, you can wear all the masks that you want. You can take all the jabs that you want, and you can take all the vitamins that you want, and you can wear all the gloves, and you can do all the hand sanitizing, and you can do everything that you want. And I still got it. Didn't take no jab. Didn't wear no mask. But I know people that's took the jab, and I know people that's wore the mask, and I know people that's taken so many precautions. And you know what? They still got it. You're not stopping a virus. I've heard doctors say you're not going to stop a virus from doing what a virus does. It's going to do it. You're going to catch it. You're going to get better, and you're going to build antibodies. It's just like any other virus that's ever been out there. But it shut down our churches, and it made us weak. It made some churches open their eyes and say, wow, we've messed up. How do we fix it, God? And it's made other ones more scared. You're seeing the separation take place. I'm seeing it in other ways in, within the church, churches and stuff through social media. But the time is short. The Holy Spirit is being stirred up in us right now. That same Holy Spirit is stirring again. He stirred us up then and he's stirring us up now. He's got something stirring in me all, all week. God's been showing me things all week. He's just stirring things up in me. And I believe that what he's saying is that it's no longer an emergency, like we said earlier. It's an urgency. Your time is up. Amen. You've seen this coming. This has been happening. All this mess that's been happening has been happening long before the big C disease, the virus, ever started. This thing that's taking place right now, what we're seeing is it's thousands of years old. And it's all being played out. You see, the enemy has a plan. And if you don't believe the enemy has a plan, then you're suckered into the plan. It's just as simple as that. You see, God has a plan. The enemy has a plan. If God didn't have a plan, then the enemy would already have won. But God had a plan before the enemy had a plan because the God knew before the enemy ever fell what the enemy was going to do. Amen. So he made a plan. And his plan was Jesus. It's been de- he's been defeated. It's over. The problem is, is the church won't stand in the victory of it. Mm. Yes, I am, Pam. I am a little wound up. The time is short, but more than that, it's just flat out time to get to work. We had a revival out here. We had a little, I don't know if you want to call it a lull, but November was kind of a reflection time let's call it a reflection time december we got hammered we got attacked amen i mean we did it's january it's a new year it's 2022 i don't know about y'all but i'm ready we got to get back to work time of reflection i mean it's been nice to reflect on what god has did but come on what he's did is not going to be near as great as what he's about to do we ain't seen nothing yet now, church, here is the problem that we... I'm going to take a drink because I'm going to need one before I get into this. <laughs> it's lemon water, Pam. <laughs> All right. I can hear you back there. Now, church, here's the problem that we face. we got three kinds of believers. Are you ready for this? I'm going to tell you what these three kinds of believers are, and then we're going to break them down, and you can keep me honest. You tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, you can call me out. Number one, we got church goers. Number two, we got church knowers. And number three, we got church doers. So here we go. Let's break each of these down. 
Let's see where you fit in tonight. The churchgoer. These are the ones that go to church, but that's all they're ever going to do. They're going to come in here, and they may give you a tithe. They may sing a song, maybe even throw you in an amen every once in a while, Pastor Ed. But they don't want to do any work for the church. They want to go to church, but when it comes time to be in the church, guess whose job that is? That's the pastor's job. I shouldn't have to do none of that stuff. They're supposed to be servants. They want to go to church but don't want to do the work. If that's you tonight, I say to you, the Lord wants more. Remember that word? More from you. He wants you to be a part of his church. I was praying here. I guess it's been almost two weeks ago. And I was listening to somebody. They had said, preacher or something, I don't remember now. They said, you need to stop and ask God, what, God, what can I do for you? We're always saying, God, telling God your, your list. And I do it, too. Every morning I'm praying for certain people. And as I start my day, I give them my laundry list. So I did. I stopped and I said, God, what do you want from me? What is it that you want from me, God? And you know what he told me? And this hurts. I heard it plain as day. He says, I want more of your time. You don't give me enough time. Mm. So you know what I've been trying to do? More time. And, you know, we think that that means five hours a day, but it don't. God knows that you've got a job. God knows if you've got kids or grandkids. God knows what your day looks like, and he understands. He really does. If that's 10 minutes of quiet time in your basement or at your kitchen table in the morning or 20 or 30, whatever you can pull out that you can set aside and really spend time with God, that's what he wants. Amen. And that's what he told me. It, it, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. That's a churchgoer, okay? Not, not, not wanting more than what they're willing to give. They're only going to give what they want. Next is the church knowers. Now that's N-O-E-R-S. N-O-E-R-S. These are the ones that are still sitting at home and are scared and are just using all this virus talk as a way to get out of church. I can sit at home and have church maybe, but you're forgetting about a verse that says that you're supposed to gather, forsake not the gathering together of the saints, or believers, whichever version you're reading. You're told to gather together, but that goes against what CNN says. I can't do that. Well, who's your God, CNN or God? Who do you serve? Do you serve God or man? So I say that if by now you don't miss the church, you are probably never really a part of it. If you can sit at home for a little over two years now, I guess that we're on, and you don't miss being in church amongst other believers, then I'm, I, I think it's safe to say that you are never really a part of the church. I was in the hospital five days. I know Yvonne was there longer than that, probably, no? Well, five days. So I was there five days. And alone, couldn't see nobody. I missed this church. I was in tears sometimes. I had a, I had a window. And I, I know I've said this before, but my, it had to be God doing this too. Because the only room in that hospital you can look out across the street and see the, I think it was, it may have been a Lutheran church, I can't remember, huge cross. I'd go to that window and stare at that cross every single day. Every day I'd stare at that cross. It was the only thing that got me through the day. Church knowers. 
Now, I do want to say this. This does exclude those that are not physically able. If you can't physically get to a place or you have no one to, to take you there and you're in that state, or that's, that's different. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those that are physically capable, that are calling themselves a part of the body of Christ, but are not willing to get out, not willing to do what God's calling them to do. So we have the church goers, the church knowers. In other words, nope. And number three is my favorite, the church doers. These are the people that don't see church as optional. Do we look around the room tonight? I'm not going to. I'm just going to keep staring at Pastor Ed for a minute. <laughs> look, I know there's circumstances where people can't get there. But if church is optional, where yet? Come on. Church is not optional. The church doers, these are the people that long to be amongst other believers. I was in my truck at work today just about to bounce out of the seat because I was ready for the day to be over so I could go to church. Amen. Could not wait to get here and deliver this word. I was so excited. I just felt God, and I said, God, you're going to do it tonight. You're going to do something that's going to be amazing. I know it is. I can't wait to get there. Amen. They go to church to learn. These people go to church to fellowship. They go to church to worship God. They go to church because God saved them. They have something to be thankful for. Only to then go out and do the very thing that Jesus told us to do. Make disciples. The church doers. The people that come to church, that sing the songs, that raise their hands, that tithe. But then decide to be a doer and get up from there. And go out there and be the church. And that doesn't mean that you've got a witness to every person that comes across your path. That means that you're sensitive to the spirit and you listen to what he says to do and you do it. And yes, sometimes we fail. Amen. We've all failed. But the fact that you feel remorse for failing shows that the Holy Spirit is teaching you something. It shows that you're willing. You're willing. You just got a little frightened and that happens because we're f the fear of rejection the fear of persecution those things but hey god didn't give us that spirit he didn't give us that spirit of fear you see here's the thing is we lift our hands in sweet surrender right we all do that right when we're singing worship all while surrendering nothing we sing the songs we close our eyes and we just worship god but we don't surrender anything going somewhere we surrender with our minds sometimes but not our hearts it's easy to surrender with your mind god i'm gonna do i'm gonna do everything god that the preacher's talking about tonight i'm gonna be the man of god or the woman of god you've called me to be i surrender everything to you lord and then you go right back to your old life because you only love them with your mind and not your heart if you want to be a church doer got to let him change your heart everything it's it's got it can't just be your mind because you can make a decision with your mind and then 20 minutes later change your mind but you can't change your heart god can change your heart you see we don't want our hearts changed until we come to a point where we need our hearts changed and once jesus truly changes that heart it doesn't change back if your heart's been truly changed if you've been truly saved 
you're going to live the rest of your life seeking him because he changed your heart. We change our minds, but only Jesus can change a heart. Proverbs 23, 26. I'm getting close, guys. And it says, my son, give me your heart or my daughter, give me your heart. It says son, but put yourself in it, okay? And let your eyes observe my ways. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. See, when God changes your heart, you can't help but to tell all that he's done. It was so awesome to see you guys up here, Pastor Ed and Yvonne, sharing what God had done for you. And whenever I had come out of it to stand up here and to share what God had done for me after I had went through something. You see, we, we get excited when God, when God gives me a word for the church. I get excited because I want to share what God shared. When God does something amazing in my life, I share it because I want to share what God has done. And this, this is what it's talking about. When God changes your heart, you can't help but to tell all that he's done. If you don't have that desire, then I encourage you to get your heart right. Because if your heart isn't to share God, then your heart is not right. You've got a heart of stone instead of a heart of flesh. Does he live in there or not? Are you a church knower, a church goer, or a church doer? If you're a church doer, then he's right here. Think about where you're at tonight. These times are urgent. It's because there is work to be done and so few workers. You know why I know? This is an easy one. You know why I know there's few workers? Because our seats ain't full. Now, that doesn't mean that the quality of work that we do is bad. But God needs more workers. Amen. You know, I heard somebody talking one not too long ago, and they were saying that the reason some Christians and stuff are tired right now is because God's given them two and three jobs instead of one because he doesn't have enough people to take on those other jobs. So there's people being pastors, teachers, preachers, and children's church or whatever, you know, or there's people uh, just what, random things, whatever it is. God's given them more than one job because there's not enough people to do the jobs that, that are out there. And I thought that that was very interesting because of the time that we're in. People are scared right now. And they're not willing to get out and do the work. Hmm. These times are urgent. It's urgent because there's work to be done and so few workers. There are more church knowers and goers than doers. There's more church knowers and goers than church doers. Hmm. So what's it going to take? And this is really what God was. I felt like this was a word from God as I put this down. I'd been thinking about it for a couple days, and I really felt like God saying, what's, what's it going to take for you to wake up? What's it going to take for people to wake up? And I think that that's what all of this stuff that's going on right now is the, 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 trying to wake this church up. Even my daughter was recognizing this, and she was asking me about what was going on, and I said, God is trying to wake people up. I said, there's, there's so many people out there right now that he's just trying to get them to see the truth of all this mess that has been going on for years and years, and people have been so dumbed down, and they've been so deceived. Yes. They, they, they've put blinders on themselves. The media has put blinders on them. 
the enemy's got blinders on them. And they're sitting there looking through these blinders, seeing only the parts of Christianity that they want and not seeing the whole picture of what God is about to do and what God can do. You see, there's people that don't believe that God can heal your, your illness. Where do they get this stuff? Do they not read the same Bible that we read? Well, that all died out with the apostles. No, it didn't because we've seen people healed. Well, who's doing it? It's not me. I'm just doing what God said to do. Get the oil, lay hands on them, anoint them. You've got to take the blinders off of you. You've got to turn the garbage off. You've got to get into your word. You've got to turn the TV off. Take the blinders, all of them. Take every blinder that you have off and see the big picture of who God is. Amen. Is he your savior? Has he changed your heart or not? Are you a church knower, a church goer, or are you a church doer? Are you part of the body of Christ or not? That's what it comes down to. Because there's only one right answer. If you say, well, I'm just a church goer, then you're in the wrong. Because God wants more from you than your butt in the seat. Because that doesn't mean anything. He needs you to get up and to be what he told you to be. Because you're no less, you're no more and no less important than Peter and Paul and everyone else that went out. They were just people just like you. They chose to be doers. They chose to go and do what God told them to do. But the problem with the church is nobody right now wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm a little worked up tonight. (sighs) He needs you to see that the hour is short. He says, I have more for you than you think. He's speaking to you tonight. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to this house. He says, I have more for you to do than you think. Oh, all right, here we go. This goes for, all right, I'm going to say it. This goes for young and old. You ready for this? All right. Stop letting your age determine your worth. God's serious about this one. It doesn't matter if you're 10, 11, or 12. God's got a plan, and he's got something you can do. And that may be just being in this church and being in that class and learning because he's got something planned for you in the future. You may be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. It doesn't matter. Don't let your age determine your worth because God has something for you to do because you're still walking, talking, and breathing. Amen. Amen. In the moment that you're not, you'll be in his presence, and then you can take your rest and be done. But until then, you've still got a job to do. Stop letting your age determine your worth. It's your example that this generation needs. It's your wealth of spiritual and natural knowledge that we need. And that the younger ones need. You see, we're trying to train the younger ones. Some of you older ones, we can still learn from you and we still want to. Don't think that just because guys are preachers or something that they know. I don't claim to know everything. And anytime somebody corrects me or gives me wisdom or gives me some sort of knowledge, I take it and I take it before God. I do because I want it because I don't know everything. Pastor Ed's been places in his ministry I know I've never been. So it would be foolish of me to say, you don't know anything. I've got this figured out. There's things Trenton can teach me, and there's things I can teach Trenton. And if we don't teach each other these things, then we're being foolish. Don't let your age, because you know Trenton is older than me. (laughs) 
Had to throw one in there. <laughs> All right, I'm almost done, guys. God has a younger, energetic group that is ready to move and is already at work because they see the urgency of the hour. That's why I got so much energy tonight. I see the urgency of the hour. Something's about to happen. Something's about to break loose, and we better be ready for it because if we're not ready for it, it's going to pass us on by because God's going to use those that are ready and willing to serve and to be used. And if we're not ready in the place that he has for us, it's going to pass us right on by. I don't want it to pass us on by. I don't want it. We need to lift up these the, the younger generation, older generation. You need to be lifting up this generation, holding us up because we're trying because we need you. We need your wisdom. We need, we need your knowledge. We do understand that, that we want it. Lift us up in prayer. Help us to not make stupid mistakes that you guys made early on in your ministries. We laugh, but it's true, isn't it? Because I've, I've taken correction, and I've, got, I've been corrected and got mad. Went home, prayed about it, and prayed about it. Didn't want to hear it. Nope, he's wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. I'm right. And then you hear that still soft voice say, well, if you'd have done it this way, and that's when you, like, oh, I did do it wrong. It takes a real man of God or a woman of God to admit that they're wrong and that they've made a mistake and to stand in correction. That's what God's seeking right now is those that are humble enough. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Lift them up. Hold up their arms as they face a battle. Because we're all in this battle together, amen? And a battle it will be. But sadly, many of the church will never step into the fight. The church is never going to step into the fight because they're scared. There's going to come a day, and I think we're almost there, our pastors. I really think that we're almost there where the decision has got to be made of where your church is going to stand. Are you going to stand for God, or are you going to shut the doors, and you're going to listen to the fear? I'm pretty sure we've made that choice already. Amen. It's going to be a battle. Many are going to be content with the way that it has always been done. Church, I really think that God is saying, what's it going to take to get you to see me? Don't you want to see him? Don't you want to see him face to face? Don't you want to feel him wrap his arms around you? Don't you want to feel him just flood your mind with new information and new just love and grace and peace? Don't, don't you want to feel these things? I tell you what, I've been on both sides. I, I've felt fear. I'm not going to say the word I was going to say. It's terrible. It stinks. It feels bad. And I have felt the love of God. And I have... When the first day I came back from uh, being in the hospital, I stood right back there with my hands in the air, and I felt God literally pouring something into me, and I felt it from my feet to the top of my head. I felt God's peace, and I felt healing. It was healing because it was from that day and on forward that I began to feel better. I felt it. I, you ain't going to convince me he's not real. I'm sorry. You never, ever, ever will convince me of that. God's saying, what's it going to take for you to see me tonight? 
And I am done. Tonight, we decide, you decide, what are you? Are you a goer, a knower, or a doer? Remember them, because there's going to come a time in everybody's life where we have to make a decision of whether you're a goer, a knower, or a doer. I pray to God that I can continue to always be a doer. But I've been a goer. I've been a goer for far too many years. We got to decide. But be careful what you choose because there's a whole lot riding on it. Your eternal soul, not just yours, but your family's. Because moms, dads, the way you raise your family, the way that you, the way you, the way you live a life, the way you do things, it affects those kids. Church is not optional. Jesus is not optional. He's real. He's alive, and he can change lives. And you know what? We may be looking at our kids going, I don't know how God's ever going to fix you. It's going to have to be God. But I'm going to be a doer, and I'm going to be faithful. Because God said, if you will follow me, then he would be faithful to us. And he would answer our prayers. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is follow. All we have to do is seek him. And he's going to take care of them little ones. Raise a child up in the way they should go. And when they're older, they shall not depart from it. That doesn't mean that there won't be steps along the way. That means that when the day comes, there will finally come a day when they will realize it and they will come back. I don't know why I'm saying this. I know somebody personally that's finally got their life. It's it's getting in order. A perfect example. It's true. It is true, and it will happen. It can happen. All right, guys. I got one more scripture. And everybody probably knows it. James 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be careful what you choose tonight. Like I said, there's a lot riding on your choice, and you will be held accountable. You may be, in a sense, responsible for another person's life, but you're not responsible for the way that person chooses to live their life. That's their choice. But you're responsible for prayer. You're responsible for love. And you're responsible for letting this world see your heart. I wrote one more thing down today. Oh, I closed it out. I hope it's in here. Yes. Actually, I got two more things. We got time. (laughs) That's not the one I wanted. I don't have it, but I will share this one. The Lord gave me this in a dream, and it was weird. But here's the thing. I prayed to God, and I said, Lord, you never speak to me in dreams anymore. Would you speak to me? Right before my alarm went off, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm having a dream. And I'm sitting in a car with my wife in an open field. There's lots of cars. Trenton's there in the other car. I I just know he is. And right before I get out of the car, I'm not going to give you all the details, but because some of the details are unimportant. I heard these words. 
If you only do what you say you will do, you will never do what others need you to do. And then I woke up. Actually, I saw Trenton, and then I woke up in the dream. And I said, what does that mean? Where's my phone? So at 4 a.m., I'm sitting on the edge of my bed doing this number, right, trying to type this out because I'll forget it. If you only do what you say you're going to do, preachers, teachers, pastors, children's ministers, lay people, all of you, if you only do what, you, what, you, what you're willing to do, this is what I'm going to do and no more, then you're never going to do what the people need you to do. Who are we supposed to be serving? We serve God, and we're servants to people. You've got to go the extra mile. You've got to go the extra mile because that's the only way you're going to get them saved. It's the only way you're going to reach them. It's the only way you're going to reach the lost. It's the only way you're going to get these kids to raise up in the Lord is you, Christian, that's had your heart changed, that's a doer, not a goer or a knower, is that you go out there and you go the extra mile for them because there's some people that are never willing to do it. And this is a word the Lord gave me, and this, this is fitting. I wish I could. The other one's on my phone. That's all right. I'll share it some other time. I'm going to stop after this. This is what I heard God say. I'm ready to move. Are you ready to follow? Next Level Freedom Church, members of Joy Church, God says I'm ready to move. But are you ready to follow? Out there, internet land. God's speaking to you right now. There's somebody right now sitting in front of their computer in tears. I know there is. I see it. You're not too far gone. Nobody is. That's, that, that's the point of the message. He's giving you time. You've still got time. If you're a believer, all you simply need to do is repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I've messed up. Please accept me back in. I want to, I, Lord, wrap your arms around me. I want to feel your love. Forgive me where I failed you and set me back on the path. Say that to God. And then Sunday morning, go to church. Go to church. You're sitting there right now. You don't know Jesus. Never heard about it. They're out there. Jesus is willing to save you right now. He's willing to change your life. All you simply have to do is ask. It's simple. You ask. You repent. You say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come and live in my heart. Change my life. Change me from the inside out. I acknowledge that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me, that I may have life. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not, it's not a, it's just you talking to God. There's no format, perfect format for it. If you said that and you believed it, congratulations, you're a part of the family of God. Get up Sunday morning and go to church. If you like to sleep in on Sundays, find a church that doesn't start till 1030 or 11 o'clock because they're out there. 
Come on down to Jackson on Sunday mornings, 1225 Oak Cape Road. If you don't like getting up on Sunday mornings, you can come to Wednesday nights here, 7 p.m., same address. Church, I'm done. Tonight, if there's somebody... Oh, I need to let me let these guys go. Thank you guys so much for for tuning in um, to Next Level Freedom Church. You can find us at nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. And we just thank you guys so much for checking us out. God bless.